An amazing evening together. If you're here for the first time, a special welcome to you this evening. It's great to have you with us tonight. Yeah, church, how about you give our guests a great big welcome. We pray you enjoy the evening with us. We have some uh, welcome packs. If you, haven't, if you haven't already picked one of those up, if you turn around to the back, you will see young Owen there. Do you like the way I said young? <laughs> young Owen there holding one of our guest packs. We'd love you to pick one up. Uh, do we have some gifts for our, our guests, Owen? Yes. Chocolate in the bag? Right, yes. <laughs> That's good. And there, are some, there is a card in there if you'd like to fill it out. We would love to get in touch with you this week. And if you'd like to know more about us, we would love to get to know you also. So enjoy, enjoy tonight with us. We have the privilege of having Jessica Harris with us this evening. Yeah, all the way from America. She came just for us, isn't that cool? Maybe not, but. <laughs> so that's gonna be good. Well, we're gonna celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. Has anyone had a birthday or a wedding anniversary in the past week? Do we have any any birthdays or wedding? Oh, I know Linda. Linda had Linda and Kevin had a wedding anniversary. She's hiding down the back there. Yeah. Is there anyone else who's had a wedding anniversary or a birthday in the last week? Oh, thank you for coming forward, Linda. Happy wedding anniversary. 31 years, is that right? So cool. Yeah, so Kevin, young Kevin was here. <laughs> this young thing tonight. Kevin was here this morning. And so you get to have an extra chocolate. Nice. Awesome. Right, okay. So no one else? Let's stand together and let's pray a blessing over Linda and Kevin. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose and protection over them this year. Activate your loving goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Fantastic. We've got School of the Spirit coming up. If you haven't heard about that, there are some flyers. If you haven't already received one, there's some flyers out in the foyer that you can pick up. School of the Spirit is something that we uh, have happening on 23rd and the 24th of June, Friday night and Saturday. We've got John Kens coming from Melbourne to, as a, one of our speakers. We've, and we've also got Daz Chettle coming all the way from Christchurch. Crazy Kiwi all the way from Christchurch. So that'll be great to have both of them with us uh, to impart into our lives, to school us up in the Spirit, because we all need that, don't we? So I encourage you to get to School of the Spirit, register. You can fill in the form or you can go online to register. Get your registrations and We are limiting numbers, so I encourage you to do that. Do that quickly. That's going to be great to look forward to in June. Did you know it's June this week? June. Wow. Fantastic. Well, it is. It's been our, as a church, but it's been our global mandate, or global, as you can see from our beautiful banners here. Uh, this month has been our focus. We, we do focus on that all year round, don't we, church? Uh, but we have been focusing on that um, during the month particularly. 
Uh, so we have got a little clip for you to watch from Anna and Nam. Take a look at the screen. I was crippled when I was young. Even though I couldn't do much, but I felt satisfied. Uh, I know that my destination is the kingdom of God, is this heaven. When I have Jesus, I have everything. We see that this family has a lot of difficulties, and so when we see this, we want to help. The government has a program to help poor people to have a stable house. But only when the house is finished, they will give the money. And so we decided to help this family. It doesn't matter whether uh, the government will pay back the money or not. We have to use the just fund to buy the building material. Not only that, we ask the people in the church to donate labor for this work. Since we study the program called TCT, we mobilize everyone in the church to help each other. So it's become a movement, something that the whole church participates. And they understand this is the way that they love God, uh, by serving others, by building this house. Everyone is very excited and joyfully participate in these projects. 20 to 25 people working all day long for three weeks and there's no complaint. Uh, they have to go to the forest and, and get the wood and they have to carry uh, brick on their back. Uh, so it's a hard work, but they joyful. Uh, they have joy to do this because we love God and we want to serve God. It's our responsibility to look after the poor because the Bible uh, tells us that when we love the poor, when we serve the poor, that is one way to love God. Fantastic what they're doing, isn't it? Well, it's our, um, we've been enjoying celebrating our Global Mandate this last month. And uh, the way that we fund what we do with Global Mandate is through faith, promise, offerings. And what we ask everybody to do is to get involved. And uh, to me, it's not so important how much you sow into it, but it is important that you get involved because every person that we reach matters to Jesus. And part of being a disciple of Christ is caring about people. So um, this, tonight, I'm going to invite you to fill out these forms, which are our faith commitment forms. And you're smart, you can read them, work out what to do. But can I just say that no one, no one follows you up on this. This is between you and God. Last year, we had $312,000 promised for our global mandate offering, of which 302,000 was received. I reckon that's pretty cool. And, um, and that's just people making a, a promise and stretching in faith that God would provide, and He does, and uh, giving it into global mandate. Let me tell you a couple of things that we did with some of that money, and this is not exhaustive, this is just some of it, starting from local through to international. So one of the things we did this last year is we provided 200 school packs, to, uh, 100 to Bankwood School, 100 to Fairfield School. They were school bags, books, pencil cases, pens, lunch boxes, etc. So families that were really struggling financially, kids that had nothing, we were able to provide them with school bags and all the gear they required for school this year. That's pretty cool, eh? I thought so. 
I thought it was pretty cool. Um, we made over a couple of schools. We um, we made over alleyways and some parks. We made and delivered about 60 tables, benches, tree planters, etc., for the community. We did meals into the community. This is one that I really liked. We provided 2,215 special Bibles to pastors in India. And the area that we provided those Bibles, the education's not very high. And whilst the pastors can read the Bible, no problem, what they do have problems doing is taking what they read and um, pulling the main points out of it and giving it to their churches in such a way that helps bring community transformation. Well, these special Bibles are in their own language and it's got the scriptures on one side and on the other side, it actually pulls the passage apart for them and tells them how they can apply it so that their churches can make a difference in the community that they live in. So we, um, we gave just over a thousand of those and then a corporate sponsor matched us one for one, which meant that 2,215 of those Bibles went into pastors' hands in India. So you're probably talking 2,500 churches at least so all the people then around that that were impacted from that. So it's cool, eh? A couple of other things. 3,000 nappies for 60 babies in Romania. That's cool. Human trafficking. We're just we're taking a, a leap into that direction. This last year, we paid for the legal assistance of 10 girls who had been rescued as they went through the court systems. Uh, we paid for their, their lawyers, etc. We paid for a two-week trauma counselling course for 40 girls that had been rescued out of um, slavery. We paid for care packages for 10 girls, and we also provided anti-school programs for two to three schools to make people aware of it all. I think that's cool as well. From here, we, that's cool, eh? These are, th this is you guys. This is what you're giving. This is what you've given into. Um, we, what else have we done? We, we provide hands-on support and mentoring for at least 16 churches around the country and overseas. Actually, it's over 20. I did the math wrong. So that's really good. Community Link did a whole lot of stuff. Pastor Kalyan in India. He's in three states of India now. They've planted over 100 churches. They've got schools in different states and a whole lot of stuff happening. Their goal is in the next 13 years, they'll plant 1,000 more churches. So that's very exciting. Grant and Vicky in China. They started a new project this year and so far they've planted 19 new churches, about 120 people, and they expect to plant over 100 in the next year. So that is fantastic. And you've got to understand, in the villages that they're planting them, when they plant a church, it brings radical transformation of the whole community. It's really, really exciting. Anna and Nam, uh, that's who the video was from. Their, their ministry is growing rapidly. In 2013, they were in a thousand churches with their programs in six nations. Now in 2017, they're in over 5,000 churches in 15 nations. And uh, their programs go into church and it's all about using biblical values and principles to bring about prosperity and, uh, and help lift the villages out of poverty. I could keep going on. I haven't touched on Thailand, Europe, Indonesia, or others. But if you fill in this form, that's the kind of thing that the finance is going to. And what I'd like to do tonight as we stand and worship shortly is to invite you to fill out the form, come, place it in the top of one of these boxes. And as you place it, I really invite you to pray because it is a faith offering. Lord, this is in faith. I pray and I'm asking you to supply the funds in Jesus' name and then expect a miracle. And year after year after year,
we see incredible ta- miracles take place. And, uh, you know, as a church, we have an incredible legacy of global mission or global mandate. And that's us together. It's really cool being part of that. So do that tonight. You're glad you did because people matter. People matter to God. People matter to us. Do you want to say anything? Or... We're going to stand. We're going to praise and worship. Isn't that great? Yeah. Together. So feel free to come on. Feel open up again. Come here. Relax. We're at home together. Thanks, team. Awesome. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be here tonight. Do you know about the Jesus that loves us so, so, so much? And we're about to sing about Him tonight. Yeah, it's one way of worship. What we've been doing, building houses, reaching out to the poor, that's one way of worship. Yeah, lifting our voices right now is another way of worship. I don't know about you, but my Jesus loves me so much and He loves you so much. Doesn't matter where you are or what you have done, what you've done yesterday, a minute ago, a year ago, Jesus is here to set us free tonight. So I don't know about you, but when we sing, you may not believe the words that you're singing, but by the end of tonight, I believe and I hope and we are praying that you're going to enter into a relationship with Jesus like we have, because He is amazing and He loves us and He wants to set us free. Amen. Awesome. Let's lift our voices.
Thanksgiving. Don't wait for the next song. How about we lift our voices right now? God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we're here tonight and we get to stand in your presence because of what you have done on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood covers all of our sins, Lord, and gives us the right to boldly approach your throne of grace. Praises of 
be with us you're choosing to be with us right here right now tonight you've entered into our situations you're not afraid of our crash surrender I am desperate 
for a moment with you A moment with you oh, I am lost in your goodness I'm surrounded, I am found in your Found in your love Here in your presence Here in your arms There's nothing better Than knowing your love Help me to trust you More every day Hold my forever And you I will stay
God, we thank You for freedom. We thank You that freedom reigns in this place. We thank You, God, that You shower Your grace and Your mercy upon us. We thank You that You sent Your Son to die for us no matter what state our life was in. You died for us. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You for that beautiful picture of grace and mercy poured out. Thank You. Thank You that You call us Your son, Your daughter. Thank You that You lavish us with Your love. You lavish us with Your grace. You lavish us with Your mercy. Your faithfulness is new every single morning. We thank You. Thank You. Thank You, loving Heavenly Father. Thank You. Thank You that You are for us, not against us. Thank You that You are with us always. Day and night, You are with us. Thank You, loving Father. We give You praise. We honour You. We glorify You tonight in this place and in our lives. Heavenly Father, continue to have Your way in this place tonight. Continue to pour out your presence, your love, your grace, your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful atmosphere? How about we give it up for God? He is good. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You are amazing. Amen. Grant just came and shared with me before that, you know, we sing to God how worthy He is. Sometimes we need to know that He says we're worthy. No, He said, I sent my son for you. No matter what, you are worthy. Isn't that cool? It's a cool picture. We need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Well, as I said earlier, we have the great privilege of having Jessica Harris with us all the way from America. So how about you stand up again and give her a great big welcome as she comes this evening. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's like, let me just fill this in with some piano music here so you don't feel so awkward. Um, wow. I'm sad that you guys are my last church. This is like a really cool church. It is. And I really feel like I don't even know how to top that. So, no, I'm just <laughs> so I'm done. No, um, thank you guys for coming out on a Sunday night and for being here tonight. And I know that however my name was put up, up there and however... You know, it's what isn't listed, what's listed there, pornography, abstinence, singleness. And you guys are like, this is either going to be really awkward or really awesome. Not sure where we're going with this. So hopefully we're going less of awkward and more of awesome. But I am like totally overdressed for your church. But I match. (laughs) Seriously, I had no idea that your walls were green or I didn't remember that they were green. And I thought, I'll just get this dress that I just bought when I was in Australia. And I'm like, how does this always happen? 
This is like hashtag speaker problems because this happens all the time. Anyway, enough about clothes. I promise I'm not that girl. So I have a question for you tonight, church. Um, and just so you know, I do like this whole walking around thing all the time. So we're good. Um, I have a question for you. You know, we stood up here and just had an amazing worship session. I seriously could have just done that all night. But I want to ask you a question. We sing about grace, showers of mercy and grace. But the question I want to ask you tonight is, do you actually believe in grace? See, we talk about it a lot, but I don't think we actually know how it means or we know how to apply it. We kind of reduce grace down to like one moment, which is the cross, and then like the rest of my life I live outside of an understanding of grace and I don't know how it influences my life. Do you believe in the grace that comes crashing into your life and wants to change your story? Is that the kind of grace that you believe in? So this, this evening, tonight, I want to turn your attention to John chapter 4. And I miss, I miss the crinkling Bible pages. If you have a Bible that's like real, <laughs> if you have a real Bible, can you just crinkle a page for me so I feel special? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like you're engaged in listening to me and not just texting your friend beside you like this lady is nuts. Um, so John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is the story of the woman at the well, Jesus and the woman at the well. How many of you have heard this story like a gazillion times before? Right. Here's the problem that we come into in church. I was raised in church since like the Sunday before I was born, right? So what we run into in church is we reduce all of our Bible stories down to coloring pages. I say David, you say? Good job. Someone said king one time, and I was like, I'm so mad at you right now for ruining this. We say Goliath, because that's what we color in Sunday school, right? There is no coloring page for David and Bathsheba. No coloring page. <laughs> There's no coloring page for him plotting to kill Bathsheba's husband, right? They're, they're, we just don't talk about that with the kids. We talk about how he had a slingshot and he killed a giant. We make a little five stone craft and everyone, this is how we understand David. So we come up to stories like this in the Bible sometimes. And I think we kind of, if we've grown up in the church, we kind of do this. Know that story, know that story, know that one, know that one, got that one. Oh, the woman at the well, Jesus is a living water, moving on. But I want to draw your attention tonight to this story, and if you'll give me the liberty of being a storyteller, which is what I am, I want to tell you this story or give you perspective on this story from the perspective of the woman Jesus meets at the well, a woman who is a woman living in blatant sexual sin. And to give you some background on that, I grew up in the church and was exposed to online pornography when I was 13, was addicted by the time I was 17, 17 years old, decided that the only thing that was, I was worth in life was becoming an adult actress and threw away all my hopes and dreams in pursuit of that industry, thinking that I was not worth anything more. All the while growing up in church, all the while excelling at the church thing, all the while leading in my youth group, singing in my choir, helping with Sunday school, absolutely hating God. 
So it's from this perspective that we, I read this story, and I want to invite you into that perspective, keeping in mind this question, do you actually believe in grace? So here it is. We're, I'm summarizing, right? Because we ain't nobody got time for all of this. So in verse, this, the story is, this is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. He's done the water into wine thing. He's slipped over tables in the temple. He's gotten baptized, and he's on his way back from being baptized by John the Baptist, and he's going through Samaria. Now, how many of you have heard that this is not normal? Do you know this background? Jews don't like Samaritans. They have a problem with them. They're half-breeds. They're outcasts of society. So the Jews would go out of their way to make sure that they did not cross through Samaria. So here's Jesus, and he just goes right into Samaria with his new disciples, and they sit down. Jesus sits down at a well. The disciples go off into town to get food because Jesus is tired and hungry because it's noon. So we're in verse 6. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It's the sixth hour. It's, it's noon. It's high noon. Now, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Great. This seems benign, except for the fact that who in their right mind walks a quarter mile? I never actually figured out what that is in kilometers. Sorry. <laughs> a quarter mile to the well with all of the stuff that you need, the jar, to get water in full Middle Eastern garb, right? Not, not tank tops and shorts, to the well at noon. If I said to you, you have options. You can go in the morning when it's nice and cool outside, or you can go in the scorching hot sun in the afternoon. Who's going to be like, sign me up for the noon slot, please? Nobody. This is, going to the well was like a social activity for women of the day. We ladies do everything together, right? Who needs to go to the bathroom? A whole herd of girls go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> we do everything together. And so this was like their social gathering. They would all go to the well together, chatter on the way, and get their water and go chattering back. She's by herself at noon, and the question would be why? And I want to propose the idea, we don't 100% know, but we do know by the end of the story that this is a woman who, is, who has a sexual past. I would hazard a guess that she has chosen this time of the day to make sure she runs into no one. Her whole town's gonna know exactly who she is. And sometimes it's a lot easier for us to just isolate ourselves than it is to deal with disapproval. It's a lot easier for me to just stop going to church, stop hanging out with my friends, stop doing stuff than it is to be connected to them and have them be disappointed in me. So she has chosen to go at noon to make sure that no one's going to be there. So in essence, if you think about it, she's actually punishing herself. And imagine that walk for her every single day, walking to that well, reminded of her bad choices alone every day. She has to get water. They don't have indoor plumbing. She needs water every day to be able to survive. So she has to do this every day, and her mundane, everyday tasks are just overshadowed in shame and in fear of judgment. 
And if she is like me, which I'm going to assume she is, I don't know, she's thinking this whole time, what else are you going to do? There's no iPad, there's no Walkman, there's nothing. And she's walking to the well, probably thinking how alone she is and how hot it is. And she's made this choice to stay away from people. And on this particular day, there's a dude at her well. And it's not just any dude, it's not just any man, it's a Jewish man. And he has the nerve to say to her, give me a drink. Now, this is a pretty common request. Like, actually, Jan, can you get me my water? <laughs> this was not planned. I just left it. See, this is the normal response, right? Like, hey, I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink? This is what we normally would do. We would say, oh, you're thirsty? Here you go. But if you watch her response to him, it makes no sense unless you understand shame. She, instead of just giving him water and letting everything be done and taking the story out of the Bible, she almost fights back. And she says to him in verse 9, she says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. So it's almost like she is saying to him, Hang on, hold up. Let me explain to you the rules. You're not supposed to like us. Why are you asking me for this? Let me explain how this works in this culture. If you knew who you were talking to, if you understood, you would not be asking me for this right now. The normal response is, here. And she instead launches into like a cultural dialogue about what, how these cultures are supposed to work. Jesus then, I like to think Jesus is a little snarky, Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And I want to think that she thought, oh, wise guy. Yeah, smarty pants, as we would say in the States. Because here I am, coming out to my well, minding my own business, and you're here, you're not even supposed to be here, you're asking me for a drink of water, I just told you you shouldn't ask me for a drink of water, and now you're telling me that I should have asked you for a drink of water. And her response basically is, who on earth do you think you are? She says, in verse 11, the woman says to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep, where do you get, oh, did I skip one? Yeah, no, I didn't. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. She says, who do you think you are? Remember, she's just tried to tell him who he was, right? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're not supposed to be talking to me. Now he's like, hey, actually, you should have asked me for something. And she's like, oh, really? Who do you think you are? So there's this defensive back and forth that you really can't understand unless you understand shame. Unless you understand having something in your life that says, if you really knew who I was, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. And so Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water, the water in the well, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Then that's where our like Sunday school lesson stops, right? So we color the page and send the kids home. Verse number 15, the woman said to him, 
watch this. We've just been like having this little match back and forth, this little argument almost. Here, though, the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. This is important. Or have to come here to draw water. Not be thirsty is Jesus' line. He just gave it to her twice in his explanation of living water. She adds, or come here to draw water. She thinks that Jesus is offering her indoor plumbing. For real. Because you need water for things other than just drinking. Right? We need water for other stuff. So she thinks... Great, I'll be, I won't be thirsty anymore, but I won't have to make this walk every day. Give me something that allows me to stay isolated and be satisfied. Make it so I don't have to walk in shame. Make it so that I don't have to feel punished and judged and oppressed. Make whatever this is in my life, make it okay. Allow me to stay in my house with the man who's not my husband and just satisfy me here. Make it okay. Give me that living water. Pump it right in so I don't have to keep going out, so I don't have to be exposed to people. And then if you're, if you're reading this for the first time, it makes no sense because right after she says that, Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. So we've gone from living water indoor plumbing to go get your husband. Here's what happens. Sometimes in church, we want the promises of God and we believe God's grace covers everything. God's grace, he forgives anything. But you know what we always do? We always think we're the exception to that anything. Okay, God loves, God loves me except for this. Yeah, sure, God's grace can forgive anything, but God can't forgive this. You know, when I was stuck in pornography, the one thing I kept hearing was that pornography was a sin greater than the sin of Adam. I heard that women couldn't have this problem. God's grace can forgive up to this, but he can't go any further. And I thought, there's no way, if people know this about me, there's no way they'll love me. If people know, there's no way they'll stick around. So I can, I can imagine her in this moment. She's so close to having what she wants. She's so close to having a life of, of freedom from shame because she thinks she's getting indoor plumbing to her house. And now Jesus has said to her, go call your husband and come here. And I can imagine her thinking, here we go. Here we go again. Now this guy is going to know exactly what kind of woman I am. And I'm going to be right back in the same place I was just in. So she answers him and she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right. I, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Her next line, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> but imagine what that started to be like for her because she came to the well isolated, alone, feeling judged, probably, and condemned. She's been defensive with this man, probably thinking to herself, if you really knew who I was, let me explain to you how this works. If you really knew who I was, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. And now she is realizing that he's known who she was the entire time. 
this woman living in sexual sin and shame then says to him, she asks him in verse 20, a question about worship. See, I grew up in a church where you couldn't make these kinds of choices and still try to love Jesus. Where, where you kind of had to clean up before you hit the doors and then be good inside the building and then Jesus loved you. But here is this woman, and the first question she asks about worship, she asks about, is about worship, and Jesus doesn't say to her, don't you ask me about worship, you heathen. He answers her, and he tells her all about worship and how we are going to worship in spirit and in truth. And then in verse 25, she says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. This woman, living in blatant, open sexual sin, shamed and judged by her community, isolating herself, walking every day to that well, is longing for Messiah. And again, Jesus doesn't say, oh, really? You sure aren't acting like you're looking for Messiah. Instead, he says, in verse 26, I who speak to you am he. So she's just made this walk from the well, met this guy at the well, this Jewish guy at the well. Not just a Jewish guy at a well, but the Messiah that she's always been hoping for. And this whole time that he has been talking to her, he has known exactly who she is and exactly what she's done and has still talked to her and has still offered himself to her. So she, the disciples come back at the end of, of this, and they don't really say anything. You see that back down in 31. Meanwhile, or like the disciples come back, and they don't say anything. They're like, what's going on? But they don't say anything. The disciples are always confused. Have you noticed that? Like every Bible story, they're like, when is he doing? We don't understand. It's like every Bible story. It's here too. So the disciples come back, verse 27, and they marveled that he was talking to a woman, but no one said anything. She leaves her water jar and runs away into town, and watch what she tells people in town. She does not say, I met this really cool guy, I think it might be Jesus, he's out at the well. She says, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can you imagine being a townsperson? Like, she comes running back in. She says, I saw a man who told me all I ever did. They're probably like, really? Because <laughs> we know a lot about what you've done, but if he knows all you ever did, hmm. And that, and she, in that context says, can this be Jesus? Can this be him? So they went out of the town, the townspeople leave and are coming to meet Jesus. And meanwhile, and we skip this part completely all the time. Whenever we do this story, we just skip it because we don't think it's important, but I think it's huge. Meanwhile, the disciples are urging Jesus to have him eat. Remember, they have been traveling. Jesus sat at the well because he was tired. They go into town for the express purpose of getting food. And they come back out and they say to him, eat. And he says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples are confused again. So the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? Like, did someone bring him food? And Jesus says to them, my food 
is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Huge to understand. You see, sometimes we understand grace as like this, this bowl of candy, maybe, or like that little box of chocolate things that God just kind of gives out to us and that our needing grace from him somehow drains him. I grew up in a church that actually taught us from the pulpit that if you sinned as a Christian, it was like nailing Jesus to the cross again. This idea that grace drains and frustrates and agonizes the heart of God, like he's tired of giving it to us. Why do you keep messing up? Get your act together. And I constantly thought that God was up there in heaven like Jessica Marie. You do not stop it. (laughs) Pick a plague. Like flies, frogs, fire from heaven, pick a plague because it's coming for you. I thought that I could frustrate him, that I could anger him by needing grace. But we see here in this passage, the only thing that is different from the time the disciples left Jesus to the time that they get back, the only thing that is different has been his interaction with this woman. And it has satisfied his heart. He says to the disciples, this is why I came. This is my job. This is, this is the will of God. It's to bring, it wasn't to pump indoor plumbing in so that she didn't have to worry about the shame. It was to remove the shame. It wasn't so, okay, we'll let you hide in your corner and let you hide from everybody. No, no, no. It's, it's making it so you don't have to hide anymore. He had set her free and she has run back into town. And in the, the verse here, we kind of, we pick up in verse 35 and we do missions conferences, right? Do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest, right? That's what we put, at least we do, on all of our missions banners and all of our little pamphlets for missions. As if it was a separate sermon on Jesus' part. But if you look, it is part of this story. It is inside this story. See, sometimes we think that grace is so great for people like that. On that video, yeah, they definitely need grace. You know, they haven't heard about Jesus. And we don't think that it applies to us, us Christians who are struggling with stuff. Grace is for those people. And yes, grace is for those people but it goes beyond those people to people who have grown up in the church and are just living in this shadow of shame. And he goes on about missions and sowing and reaping. If you look at verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. But isn't it interesting how in our lives we think, oh, there's so much grace and there's so much mercy, but not for this. Oh, yeah, I'll share my testimony and I'll talk about that stuff, but not this. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And I want to love him, but I don't think, I don't think he can love this. And we isolate ourselves and we push back and we think grace can't reach this far. And it can. And it, and it 
restores our story and it redeems our story and it makes it something usable. Her testimony was that he told me all I ever did. It wasn't like, hey, some cool dude's out at the well. He says he's Jesus, let's go meet him. No, her testimony that transformed a village was for her to go back and approach the very people she'd been isolating herself from and say, hey, you got nothing. (laughs) You got nothing. There is somebody who knows everything. And he stood there and he offered me life. This, that is grace. And sometimes we're in church and we stand here and we sing and we praise, but the whole time we're thinking, Jesus loves all of this pretty stuff out here, but he doesn't actually love me. There's not grace for this part of my life. And so tonight I want to challenge you guys. I know it's not like a statistical debriefing on the effects of whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I want to challenge you guys that it, it's it's. Grace transforms our stories. It doesn't like hack off all of the bad stuff and hide it away. It takes that and it changes it into something that we can use and it changes it into something that we use to impact the world around us. I think that the church is tired of perfect Christians. I think the world is tired of perfect Christians. So I want to encourage you guys tonight. Do you believe in grace? Is there a part of your life that you're sitting there thinking, ha uh, no, I can't tell anybody about that because if I do, they'll stop loving me. I can't tell anybody about that because then I won't be a worship leader anymore. I can't tell anybody about that because I'm working so hard. I really like this guy. And if he finds out, then I'm in trouble. I can't tell anybody about that because my dad's a pastor. I can't tell anybody about that because I want to be a missionary. I have to hide this, and I'm just hoping God will pipe a line in so that I don't have to come out and tell anybody, no, that's not grace. Grace isn't piping a line to you so you can hide in a corner. Grace is saying, get out here. We're taking the shame off, and you're going back, and you're telling them about me. So tonight, I want to I wanna challenge you. Do you believe grace? Because it's really easy to sing about. It's a lot harder to live it. And if you've never experienced it, you have no clue what's going on right now. So to close tonight, we want to give you an opportunity to come forward and ask for prayer for that part of your life that needs grace. That part of your life that you say, you know what? And I I don't know you guys from Adam. Okay, maybe I would know you from Adam, but I don't know if it's an abortion in your past. Maybe you're sleeping around. Maybe you and your boyfriend or girlfriend are sleeping. Maybe you're not sleeping with your wife like you're supposed to, whatever that is. Or maybe there's a part of your past way back you've kind of stuffed under the rug because you don't think it's important. I spoke at a church in Australia, gave the same message, and a woman came forward who has children in the church, and she said, I've never told anybody this, but I used to be an adult actress. And because she came forward, and because she let that be part of her testimony to the church, she is going to lead groups for young girls who are struggling in that area. Grace wants to use you. 
He wants to use our stories. And so we want to encourage you guys, if there's part of your life that you're just like, nah, no, come forward and ask for grace to cover that. And if you have never experienced the grace of Jesus, any one of us will stand here and tell you you are never too far gone. You've never, you've never gone too far. You've never messed up too much. We expect you to be the same person in this building that you were when you were outside the doors. <laughs> and we would love to show you Jesus. We would love for you to understand his love and what makes us <laughs> so happy to sing and to praise him and what makes us love grace so much. So if that is you tonight, either one of those categories, you know, coming forward doesn't mean like, hey, I struggle with this. That's not what it means. It just means I understand that I am in desperate need of grace in some area of my life. There's a switch to this. There's a second side. There's another way we can misunderstand grace. We might believe that grace can't reach us. That's one way. But we also can be guilty of withholding it from others. It's a lot easier for me to believe that God has grace for my sin. It's a lot harder for me to believe that there's grace for my dad, who was abusive and left. Think about the person sitting beside you. If they were to raise their hand, and they were, we're not going to do this, but if they were to raise their hand and say, you know what, I'm a porn addict, or I list, list a sin, what would your heart be to them? There's, there's different ways that we can miss grace. We can, we can miss it in our own lives or we can withhold it from others, but the very nature of grace is that it's shared. So if you fall in any of those categories, someone who's like, you know what, I have a really hard time giving grace to other people, actually. We want you to come forward too. To develop a, a tender heart and to remember what you've been saved from to remember the beauty and the joy of your salvation. So whatever category you fall in tonight, we don't want to invite you forward for prayer and for ministry, for freedom, for hope, for grace, for healing, whatever that is, we want to encourage you to come forward tonight. powerful message, isn't it? Applicable to every single one of us. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah. How about we give it up for, for Jessica? Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to ask the band to lead us in some worship and, and let's have opportunity as Jessica's given that invitation for you to come forward. If you want someone to stand with you in prayer, then please take the opportunity. Come, come forward. No matter what, how small or big, come forward. Let someone stand with you in prayer. Also, as we, as we um, sing together, we're also going to receive an offering because we want to bless Jessica uh, before she goes on her way. So, so, um, if you'd like to ready yourself also to give, then that would be great. We also have push pay and FPOS in the foyers because we are purposed in our giving, eh, church? Yeah. So there are the giving stations on the left as you enter into the, into the foyers. Great.
God, I thank you for that message. I thank you that you're speaking to each and every one of us. I thank you uh, for what you are saying to each one, God. And I pray that our lives would be open to you to respond, to respond to you. I thank you that you are loving Father. I thank you, Jesus, that you desire us to draw nearer to you, to come out from under any shame. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship. Please come forward if you'd like someone to stand with you. Thinking, 
If anyone was to really know what it was like, what I was up to, I would shame my family, I would shame God, and I could never do anything significant for Him. But one day in a time just like this, I met with Jesus and He set me completely free. He walked into every situation that I had been in. And He healed me whole. That is possible. Come forward. Don't leave in another moment. It's not worth it. Live a life of fullness. Live a life of freedom. Come right now. Don't hold back. You won't be judged. You'll feel loved instead.
in any way you feel free. Let me pray as we go into our week. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that it is endless. And Lord, wherever we are this week, whenever we're there, I ask that you'd help us be like Jesus, that we would be carriers of your grace and your kindness and your compassion and your mercy. Lord, that when there's an issue at work or at school or at college, we'd be the ones that people would come and talk to and even unload on because they know that they'll get a receptive ear that is kind and that is gracious and that is compassionate. 
shows love. And so I ask this week, Lord, that you would encourage, you would fill each of us with courage so that wherever we are, we can walk boldly. We can represent the kingdom well. And that we can excel at who you called each of us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for coming out tonight.
Play. 